0: looking this morning at our laws again. Right? We're looking at the fourth law this morning. The first law is this. It says, he is God and we're not. Now, what that does is that brings us to a place uh, of submission. He's the boss. Right? Now, and you really got to bite into that. You got you to take that on board. Uh, we're not a generation that likes having a boss over anything. But you know what? If we want to be equals with God, if we want to wear our big G t-shirt and think we're God in our own lives, we're always going to be in trouble and struggling. He is God. When he decides, that's it, it's done. There's no countermanding him, there's no talking him around, there's no actually getting him to do something else. When he decides, he does it. We need to remember, too, that he loves us, and he knows what's best for us, and he's able to do it. So that when God does something that we don't like in our lives... uh, the truth is, it's the best thing. And we need to submit to that. Just yield to that. Lord, you can have your way. Uh, <clears throat> that, that, that brings a lot of peace in your life. Just that decision there brings a lot of peace into your life. Second uh, law is this. God doesn't need us, but we desperately need him. Now, sometimes we struggle with the idea of saying, I need someone, or I need something, or I need anything. Particularly those guys. You know, listen, we're supposed to be masters of our world and run the world and so on and and, and do it all. But we're not. God doesn't need me, but I desperately need Him. And that's not, uh, not wimpy. That's strength, recognizing. I need Him. And real men will come to the place where they see their need for God and depend upon Him. Lord, I need You. I need Thee every hour. And the third one we looked at last week was that what God demands, He supplies that God always supplies what he demands if he asks something of you in the package he gives you the information and he gives you the power to do it always and what we need to do there is we need to receive stop trying to do it ourselves and receive what God wants us to do he supplies um, he, all we need to do is receive what it is when it comes to salvation you just receive salvation you don't do anything for it you don't earn it you don't make it happen. You don't clean up your life and make your life better. That's not going to happen. What you do is you just receive salvation. When it comes to living the Spirit-filled life, you don't make it happen. You don't kind of work up to it. You receive it. You receive the Holy Spirit. And then the fourth law that we're looking at today uh, is this. <clears throat> what you seek, you find. What you seek, you find. And that is the truth in our lives. Abraham Lincoln said this. It was very, <clears throat> uh, very thought-provoking. He said... Most people are just about as happy as they want to be. Now, some of you are going to react to that and you're going to say, hang on a minute, that's, what about the circumstances in my life? You know what, the circumstances in your life do not govern your happiness. They really don't. What, how, what, what actually governs your happiness is what's going on in your head. And if you want to be happy, you have to deal with your head. But as believers, there's a much deeper truth for us than that. And the deeper truth for us is this, that we were made for him. And when we seek him, we find happiness. Don't get it back to front. Don't seek happiness. You know That's not going to serve you very well. But when you seek him, you actually come to the place where you're doing what you were made to do, and you find happiness in that. So we should seek him. Now, we'll look at some verses. We're going to do another survey on, uh, on our verses here and see uh, <clears throat> what it says about seeking him. The Bible has much to say about us seeking him. Deuteronomy 4, verse 29 says, But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him, if thou seek him with all thine heart and with all thy soul. You know, when you seek God, you find him. Even for Israel, you know, <clears throat> when they walked with God and they were blessed of God, they were obviously seeking him and everything was going on. But God knew they wouldn't always. And so he told them, listen, when you don't walk with me, I will judge you and I will scatter you. But if from thence you start to seek me, I'll respond. And he did. He responded to Israel every time. First Chronicles twenty eight verse nine and thou Solomon my son, this is David speaking to Solomon and giving him some wise counsel. Now we would that Solomon had followed David's wise counsel, but he didn't. But see what David says to him. And thou Solomon my son, know that uh, the God of the, know thou the God of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off. For Ever, ever, wise counsel from a father to a son. He says, "Okay, Solomon, here you're going to be king, and you got a whole lot of responsibility coming down on you. And I understand all that and so on. But here's the one thing you need to do, Solomon. You need to seek him, and if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, then he will forsake you. And we know the story of Solomon's life, don't we? Wisest man the world had ever seen, and yet you know what he did." He stopped seeking the Lord and started seeking after idols and God forsook him. How awful. After that wise counsel. Now, what does it say to us? You're not a king, but you know what the most important thing in life is? Seek him. Seek the Lord with all thine heart. Everything else in your life flows from that relationship. Seek the Lord with all your heart. 2 Chronicles 26, verse Uh, 5. This is King Uzziah. Uh, And he sought God in the days of Zechariah. who had understanding and visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Isn't that wonderful? As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. And everybody in this room kind of ears perk up and says, Prosper, oh yeah, I'd like to prosper. Now, listen, if you go after prosperity after money, you know what, you're not going to find it. But when you go after God, God can prosper you. God can take care of you. I'm not talking about prosperity gospel here. What we're talking about, God's blessing on your life when you go after him. That's what you were made for. And when you do it, you're going to find that your life works. Uh, Psalm 27, 8. Uh, When thou said, Seek my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. I wonder, can you say that this morning like David? Okay, thy face will I seek. And we know David's life's not perfect, but you know, we look at David's life and we, we see a life, he, he sought the Lord. He just continuously sought the Lord. He went after the Lord. He sought the Lord. And and that, that, that was just David's life. He, he sought the Lord. Uh, even when he got it wrong, he sought the Lord. And, and, and he looked to the Lord. <clears throat> Uh, Isaiah 55, verse 6, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Now, there's seeking here, but there's a seeking and there's a time sensitivity to it now. While he may be found. You don't know how long you have, do you? You're here this morning and you're not saved. You, know what? you don't know when you're going to face God. You're here this morning and you're a believer, uh, <clears throat> but you're not walking with God. You don't know how long you have. Seek the Lord while he may be found there's, 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 there's a time and the time is now for us to do that Jeremiah 29 verse 11 for I know the thoughts that I think towards you saith the Lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end now <clears throat> listen God's plan for Israel was only good <clears throat> Israel fouled up God did not foul up and God went towards them and towards them and towards them uh, his plan was good and his plan towards you was good too God does not sit in heaven hatching a plan how to frustrate your life and make life difficult for you. Sometimes we feel like that, don't we? Everything's hard and everything's difficult and nothing's going right, and so on. We feel. No, God's not hatching a plan to make life difficult for you. God, on the contrary, has a plan to make life good for you. He's interested in making life good for you. <clears throat> uh, verse twelve: Then shall you call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Right. <clears throat> And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Now, here's, here's the thing. The most important thing in life for us is God. Yes? Well, that's just the reality of life. Now, the only thing, now we know this, the only thing that's going to satisfy us is God. Isn't, isn't that real? We, we know that. Now we, we may not live this, but we do know this. You know, as believers, we know the only thing that's going to satisfy us is is God. And he says, then seek for me with all your heart. I get so weary of believers who tell me, no, it doesn't work for them. It definitely works. God says it works. He will be found of us, and he does satisfy. The problem is, we seek everything else but him. If we would stop our seeking of other things and seek him with all our hearts, you know what? He would be found of us. And we would find blessing. Matthew 6.33 But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Now what are the all these things? The all these things are the things we spend our lives looking for. Food, raiment, the, the, the nuts and bolts of life. We spend our life looking for those things. And what God says is if you seek me, I will give you those things. They don't don't matter. They're no big deal. I'll give you those things. Uh, If if you seek me, uh, I will give you those things. Uh, Luke 11 verse 9, I say unto you, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. You know, and you could take this as a promise, couldn't you? Seek and you shall find. If you will seek, God says you will find. Luke 11 verse 10, For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be opened again. oh, <clears throat> Opened. God is the same thing again. He, he's, he's going to give it to you. Hebrews 11, verse 6. And here's a promise you could, you could live your life on. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now listen, you're human and you don't get it all right, and you never will get it all right. But if you diligently seek him, you know what he says? He makes you a promise. He says, I will reward you. I will reward you. You set your heart on me, and I will reward you. Now, you know what? Great truth there for us to look at. Wonderful, powerful truth. Now, the question is, though, what are you seeking this morning? What is it that you're seeking? Uh, What is it that you're you're looking for? Everybody is seeking something. Everyone is seeking something. What is it that you're seeking? What direction is your life going in? Uh, Very often, things we seek don't satisfy. Isn't that the truth? You know, we could go around the room, we could talk about our dreams and ambitions and so on, and what we would find, we would find that some people really sought something and wanted it and desired it and worked for it and went towards it and then got it. And it didn't satisfy them. You see, what God has done is He has made it so. Nothing in the world can satisfy you, not ultimately. It promises to, but it can't do it. It, It's impossible. They say there are basically three things that drive us. There's money, there's love, or or, um, pleasure, and power. Those three things drive us. But you know what? Money can't satisfy us. Money can drive us. Money can be a driving ambition. And what you'll find with people who have money is that it's the ambition that they enjoy, but you know what? The money doesn't do it. Money doesn't make it happen. <clears throat> what about love, relationship, sexuality? No, that, that doesn't do it for us either. What <clears throat> What about power? That doesn't do it either. You see, nothing in the world can ultimately satisfy us. Because we're made for God. We're made to be satisfied in Him. And apart from that, nothing else is going to satisfy us. Now, <clears throat> Uh, You know, I wish I could convince everybody in this room of that. But I know full well that some of you are going to spend your lives or a part of your lives trying to find satisfaction in the world, and you're going to find that it doesn't work. That it doesn't actually do it. That it can't do it. It can't satisfy. The world cannot satisfy. Nothing in it will. Now, there's an easy test for you to find out uh, what it is that you're looking uh, to satisfy yourself with. It's really easy. Uh, whatever you spend your time and your money on, that's what you're seeking. Whatever you spend your time and your money on, that is what you're seeking. That, that, that's what's driving your life, and that's the thing that, that, is, that is important to you. Uh, whatever you spend your time and your money, on, what do you spend your time doing? Do you spend your time seeking pleasure, seeking fun, seeking relaxation? Do you spend your time making, seeking money? Do you, what do you spend your time doing? Uh, you know, if we were to go around here and ask us, how, ask us all how much time we spent with the Lord this week, we'd, we'd, you know, we'd all have to probably spent some time with the Lord. Uh, and then we, if we were to say, well, what else did you spend your time doing? Well, I spent my time working, and I spent my time um, <clears throat> doing this and doing that, and, and this is what I spent my time doing. And we would find out rapidly what was important in your life. What do you spend your money on? That's what's important in your life. That's what we do. That's the way we are. Uh, And and the the test is, and so often what we do is we live our lives not for the things we believe are important, but for things that are incidental to it. There's a professor on Gilligan's Island. Gilligan's Island was a uh, a TV show of yesteryear, right? Most of you probably don't remember it. Uh, But uh, there was a professor on the island, and the professor on the island was absolutely incredible, all right, uh, he actually took and he made uh, diesel out of banana skins, All right? He was able to take algae and make um, chocolate fudge uh, out of the algae. He was, just, he was just a brain. He was brilliant. The only problem is he was stuck on the island and he could never get off the island. You know why he could never get off the island? Because he had a hole in his boat and he never got around to fixing it. Now, now, listen, we laugh at that. That's kind of a joke. But you know what? Some of you are stuck in your lives because you won't fix the hole in the boat. You're stuck where you are because you're not doing the most important thing. Or you know it's the most important thing. You know, when you hear a sermon like this, you say, yep, that's what I need to do. But you never do it. And you're stuck on the island because you won't do the most important thing. Listen, this is a wake-up call to us. Seek Him. Let Him become the issue of our lives. if you seek the right things... You will be satisfied. And Would uh, it be interesting if I said to you this morning, okay, who's satisfied here this morning? Which of you could say to me, yeah, I'm satisfied, and put your hand? I'm not asking you to put your hands up, right? Which of you said I'm really not satisfied. I'm really not happy. Right? Well, well, let me tell you, if you're really dissatisfied and you're really not happy this morning, you're seeking the wrong things. Okay, now you want to go home, don't you? You want to just kind of throw it all in and go home and say, all right, Pastor, that's, that's it. Now, you've really offended me, but look at the next verse. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. God promises that when you seek after the right things, you will be filled. You will be satisfied. That's just the the way it is. You will be filled. You will be satisfied. That's, That's a promise from God. Can God lie? Did he lie in your life? No, if you're not satisfied this morning, the reality is, the problem is, you're not seeking the right things. That when you seek him, he says you will be satisfied. Now, <clears throat> let me let me throw the other side of it to you, and nothing else will. That which you've got in your mind, which you think if only I had, I would be satisfied is a lie. It would not satisfy you. It's impossible you're not going to be satisfied by that thing it's just impossible the only thing that's going to satisfy you is when you seek after him and his righteousness when you seek him you were made for that and what you'll find that when you're seeking after that all the other things that are so important lose their importance and many of them just happen many of them just come in your life they just happen in your life because they're not that important anymore the problem is our focus is wrong. Now, if we're, if we're going to deal with the issue of what we're seeking, we have to remove the excuses. And we have excuses. Everybody in this room has excuses for not seeking the things that are most important. We, we have reasons why we can't do it. Let me help you remove some of them. All right? we, we have reasons why we don't seek the Lord with all our heart. Okay? First reason would be this. Self-pity. Now, self-pity... And blame-shifting and being a victim are all a package. I can't because I don't have what I need, because somebody else did something, and even if it's not somebody else with flesh on, it's God. Somebody else did something, and I can't be satisfied because, you know what, life is too hard for me, and um, <clears throat> uh, if, you knew my, if you knew how bad things are for me, you, you would weep for me, you'd feel sorry for me. Now, self-pity is a killer. Now, it's a very pleasant killer, but it's a killer. It is a killer. It will destroy you. It will eat your heart out and absolutely destroy you. Get over your self-pity. I read about somebody who, <clears throat> who, who had ruined their life by getting involved in something he shouldn't be in, and he had to go to a council group to get uh, help with it. And. Um, <clears throat> A bunch of similar men, they'd, they'd been in and they each destroyed their lives, and, and they, they, they would meet together, and um, <clears throat> one of the things they were not allowed was self-pity. No self-pity, no blaming anybody else, no saying, if only my wife had, none of that. It was totally... And here's what they decided. They decided that self-pity was the enemy of spirituality. Self-pity made you focus on yourself. You were seeking yourself, not God. Listen, stop feeling sorry for yourself. You have a loving Heavenly Father who has given you everything that you need to live right and do right for Him. Accept it, receive it, and get on with it. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. That, that, that one is going to kill you. Self-pity will kill you. Second thing you've you got to stop doing is you've got to stop trying or saying, I'm trying. See, I'm trying as an excuse. I'm not really doing anything about it, but I'm trying. Do you ever meet somebody who's trying to give up smoking and they were lighting up a cigarette while they were trying to give up smoking? <clears throat> Isn't that what we do, though? I'm trying, but I'm not really trying. <clears throat> what I'm doing is I'm excusing the fact that I'm not doing it. You know, it would, be, it would be better for the person lighting up the cigarette to say, well, I'm failing at giving up cigarettes. I'm not really trying, I'm failing. And here's the thing, if you're not seeking God, it's not because you're not trying. It's it's not that you're trying, it's that you're not doing it. There's a fascinating scene in um, Star Wars, right? And um, Yoda uh, is trying to get Luke Skywalker to do something, use his powers to do something. And so he tells him to do it, and Luke says, I'll try. And Yoda says this, he says to him, do or do not, there is no try. Do or do not. There is no try. You know what? That's very true for us. Do or do not. There is no try. Stop pretending you're doing it. I'm trying to lose weight. Well, what are you doing? When I'm eating chocolate bars, but I'm trying to lose weight. (laughs) No, no, you're not trying. It's just an excuse. It's something that we're. It's just a lie, dressed up. In something nice that's supposed to make people feel sorry for us because we're we're trying, but but we can't. You know, you you can give up drinking, but you got to stop trying and you got to do it. You can uh, give up smoking, but you got to stop trying and you got to do it. You can you can you can diet and lose weight, but you got to stop trying and do it. Uh, you can make your marriage better. Even one person on their own can make their marriage better, but you got to stop trying and talking about it and actually do it. Right. You can you can bring down your credit card. Dead. But you can't do it if you keep sticking the plastic across the counter and adding to it. You gotta do it. Stop trying and do something. You want a better relationship with God, you can have it. Draw nigh unto me and I will draw nigh unto you. That's a promise. You can have a better relationship with God, but don't try, do it. I think that's, that, that, that quote is terrific. Do or do not, there is no try. <laughs> Just do it. Do something about it. God gave you ability to do it. Just do something about it. The, the third problem is this. I can't or I won't. And I'm going to tell you something terrible here. No one can help you if you're saying I can't or I won't. And here's the reason. What you've done is You've put yourself in a prison and you've locked the door from the inside. You've decided, I can't. This is just the way it is. This is me. There's no help in it. There's no changing it. I can't and I won't. And what you've done is you've locked the door from the inside and nobody can get you out. There's no help for you until you open the door. And when you open the door, you've got to say, I will. Stop making the excuse of, I can't or I won't. You can. Let me just tell you a little bit about yourself this morning. First of all, you're made in the image of God. Saved or unsaved, you're made in the image of God. Do you realize that makes you much more powerful than any of the creatures on this earth? That you actually have been given power to have dominion over them. You're made in the image of God. You can make a decision to do something. You have a thing called a will, a free will. And you can make a decision to do something, and you know what? Amazing things happen when you make that decision. It's powerful. You you have power in your hands. Second, if you're a believer, if you're a child of God here this morning, not only do you have the power God gave you in your will, but you have the Holy Spirit to enable you. You know what? You need to change your vocabulary. I can't and I won't. There'sn't anything God wants for you to do, He has made possible. We looked at he gives He gives us what we need to do. There's, there's no such thing as I can't or I won't. Open the door. Walk out of the prison and by God's grace say, listen, I will. And do something about the situation. You can have that relationship with God. You can seek Him. You can walk with Him. You can know His blessing. You know, uh, some people act and live as though, when well, you know, God plays favorites. He gives some people all the things they want and he just gives other people, just he's just not good to other people. It's just the way it is, you know. Um, and some people have to take it for themselves, even though God doesn't want them to have it. they have to take it for them because nobody's given it to them otherwise. That's not true. We have a loving Heavenly Father who knows us individually. He knows you better than you know yourself and the things he's put in your life, he has put in your life because they're the best thing for you. They're the best thing for you. And when you embrace that and say, listen, by God's grace, I'm going to accept what he's given me and I'm going to change where I can. You know, things begin to happen. Powerful stuff begins to be released uh, in your life. All right, then our our application. Question for you. Are you a God-seeking person? Now, don't fudge it. Don't pass it off. Are you a God-seeking person? Well, kind of sort of some days. Well, you know, I, I want to be. I'm trying. <coughs> um, I can't with all the problems in my life. Are you a God-seeking person? Let me ask you, what do the people around you think of you when it comes to your relationship with God? Do they see you as being a God-seeking person? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, you wear the Christian badge and you come to church. I'm talking about, do they see in your life Somebody who is earnestly seeking relationship with God. Do you realize some unsafe people can recognize that in your life? They may not agree with you, but they can actually recognize that in your life. They can recognize and see that uh, you're earnestly seeking God with your life. Are you a God-seeking person? Could you honestly say that about yourself today? You know what? If if you say, well, no, I'm not, uh, there's the problem. That's what you were made for, and you're not doing it. There's the problem. You say, well, sort of. Some, some areas, yes. And in some areas, no. But I doubt that you really are. But you know what you're going to find? You're going to find that the areas where you're not <coughs> are the problems. That's the problem in your life. That's where the issues are coming from. You see, it's, it's, it's really not rocket science. You know, Christianity uh, is simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. Walking with God is simple. You know, there's there's tough parts to it, but it's simple. When you're getting it all complicated and saying, well, you know what, maybe... Listen, you're off base. Are you seeking God or are you not? First question for you. Uh, Second thing I want to say to you is, seek the Lord while he may be found. The time is now. The time is now. H- how much of your life have you spent saying, "Well, you know, <clears throat> well, uh, when when this gets sorted out in my life, then I'll do such and such." You know, I start coming to church faithfully. You know, when um, <clears throat> when I get my financial situation sorted out, when I get my relationships sorted out, when the kids are not giving me so much trouble. You know, <clears throat> it never happens. That there's a time sensitivity to this thing. You know, you need to seek the Lord now while he yet may be found. You know, <clears throat> I read some years ago, and it stuck with me, it stuck in my mind. And it was just a phrase, uh, it said this, that the flowers for somebody's grave have been cut already, and they don't know they're going to die. Do you know that? We think we're going to be here next week. Well, we're planning on being here next Sunday, right? <clears throat> we're planning on, uh, on coming out of the church next Sunday, but we don't know. You could be dead and buried by this time next week. You don't have time to play with us. You know, it's not a case of let's put it off and we'll seek the Lord when we have a more convenient time. Remember, Agrippa said that. Uh, I'll talk to you when I have have a more convenient time. and Convenient time never came. And you know what? For salvation, for many people, a convenient time never comes. They never come to a day when it's time for them to get saved, when it's time for them to get right. You know, listen, if you're here today and the gospel has been preached and you know that you need to turn to Jesus Christ and receive him as your Savior, do it today. Don't wait. Why would you wait? Today is the day. If you're here as a believer, today is the day for you to turn to God and sell out and say, listen, okay, I'm going to seek him with all my heart. I'm going to make seeking him my life. I'm going to make seeking him the focus on the goal of my life. Listen, it's time sensitive. There's, there's timing involved in it. Now is the time. Now is the time for salvation. Now is the time for serving. Listen, but you got to activate this thing called a will that you have. You've got to decide that's what you want and that's what you're going to do. Don't play with this thing. So remember the, the, the story of the professor? He's there, stuck on the island, doing all kinds of wonderful things that don't affect his main purpose, fix his boat and get off the island. Listen, so many people are living their lives for incidentals that ultimately will not matter. And they're missing the most important things. The most important thing is seek him while he yet may be found. All right, you can begin. Let me give you some help in that. Uh, You can begin by, first of all, admitting your need. Admit your need. You know what? <clears throat> uh, it's really a help to us when we admit, Lord, I need help. I'm a mess. Lord, <clears throat> it's not the other guy's fault, and it's not my situation, and it's not the fact that I've been trying, and it's not the fact that, you know, <clears throat> I can't. Lord, the reality is, I've not been doing it, and I'm a mess. I need help. You know, when we cry out to God like that, God always responds. Cry out to God. How many of you were in a desperate place in your life and you cried out to God and you look back on that as the moment when everything began to change? Because you cried out to God. Cry out to God. Admit your need and cry out to God. Admit your need. Listen, my life is not in the place it needs to be. Things are not going the way they're supposed to go. Lord, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Admit your need and cry out to God. Then surround yourself with God-seeking people. I... I don't know how I can express the importance of this in your life. Surround yourself with people who are seeking God. If you're not around people who are seeking God, what's going to happen for you is they're going to pull you down. That's just the way it is. You know, you need to be around people because, you know, evil communications corrupt good manners. That's just way you need to surround yourself with people that are seeking God, people who want God, people who are looking to God. You know, if you get involved with the wrong crowd, listen, all your good intentions won't mean a thing. It'll just pull you down. Surround yourself with people who are seeking God. And then wait for the Lord. Wait, for, wait on God. And waiting on God is not this passive thing, you know, where you go home and you go to bed and you're just waiting on the Lord. No, waiting on the Lord is the idea of, listen, you're looking up and you're saying, Lord, I need you to help me. Wait on Him. Depend upon him, look to him, wait on him. He wants to help, he will help. The question for you is, are you willing to let him in so that he can help? Are you willing to let him in? You see, he gave you this thing called a free will. And what that means is, you're in charge. You say, hang on a minute, he's got. Yeah, he's got, but he won't violate your free will. You're in charge. You can do what you like. He's, 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 he's given you that free will, and, he, and he's not going to overrule it. He won't even let Satan overrule it. you need to look to him. Wait on him. And then finally, <clears throat> spend some time fasting. Now, <clears throat> listen, fasting in and of itself is not going to give you merit. That's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about you getting brownie points with God by, <clears throat> by fasting. What we're talking about is this you so earnestly seeking God that you put food aside for a while that you draw close to Him. That you maybe take a day and you spend that day seeking God. Lord, I need a meeting with you. Lord, I need you to speak to me. I need you to talk to me. Lord. Lord, I need help. He's a personal God. He's personally involved in your life. Do you know what? If you would want Him to, He would meet with you. You could seek him and he would meet with you. Or you could choose to do it your own way and go your own, do your own thing like you always have done. But seek him. <clears throat> Blaise Pascal said this. He was a great scientist. He said, There's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing but only by God, the creator, made known through Jesus. You know what? There's an emptiness in everybody in this room. Every one of us. There's an emptiness in us. And the emptiness will never go away apart from Jesus Christ filling it. It'll never go away. It'll always be there. Now you can make your excuses and you can comfort yourself with your excuses or you can come to the place where you say, Okay. That's my problem. God has put his finger on my problem. I'm not seeking him. Today is going to be a day of change. I'm going to turn it around. I'm going to go in a different direction. I am going to seek him. I am going to cry out to him. I am going to ask him for help. And you know what? Today could be the pivot point of your life. You could look back at your life 10 years from now and you could say, you know, what? made a decision on that day and my life's changed since then. Or you could stay the way you are. You could choose to stay the way you are. The choice is entirely yours. Question, what are you seeking? What is it that you're seeking in your life and are you willing to change it? Jesus says this to us again and again. He says, come unto me. And it's not <clears throat> come to church. And it's not come to group. It's come unto me. Lord. Right, come to me. Come to me. Draw near to me. When we come unto him, everything changes. You'd be honest enough in your heart to say this morning, Listen, you know what, I'm not seeking him. But today I am. Just come to him. You're here this morning and you're not saved. And I don't know everybody in this room. I don't know whether you're saved or not. I don't know whether you know Jesus Christ, your Savior. But let me real briefly explain to you what God says to you. God says, first of all, you're a sinner. All have sinned to come short of the glory of God. And everybody in this room, if we were honest, would have to hands up and say, yeah, we're sinners. We've done wrong. We're just... That's just the way we are. We've all chosen our own way and done our own thing. The Bible says this, too. The Bible says that there's a payment for sin. Payment for sin is a separation from God that ultimately ends up with us being cast into hell. You see, that's very harsh. Well, from our perspective it is, but God so hates sin that he won't have anything to do with it. And he says, uh, you know, that uh, he, he won't have sin in his presence at all. Nothing that defiles is going to enter into heaven, he says. But you know, God knew you were a sinner and God knew that you deserved hell. And yet God loved you. And he sent his son, the lovely Lord Jesus, to hang on a rugged cross 2,000 years ago with your sins on his back to pay the price for your sin, to take it away so that you didn't have to pay for it because you couldn't anyway. That's the truth. That's what the scripture says. That Jesus took your sins on his shoulders, on the tree, and paid the price for them. And you know what the Bible says is the condition, and there's only one condition on salvation. The sins of the whole world were paid for. God says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he says, how shall they call upon him in whom they've not believed? It's believing in him It's trusting what he did. You couldn't save yourself. You weren't able. You didn't have the power. But he does. And when you cry out to him, you know what he does? He does the work. And it's instant. And it's eternal. And all of a sudden, you go from being a sinner on your way to hell to being a child of God on your way to heaven. It is the best deal that anybody, anywhere, ever has been offered. And if you're here this morning and you're not saved, it's offered to you. The Lord Jesus Christ says, Come, come unto me. And if you come, he will do it. Let's stand for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this people that have gathered here. Now, Lord, would you bless. Lord, there are decisions to be made. There are hearts to uh, engage with you. And, Lord, there are lives to change. Blessed Spirit of the living God, would you undertake for us now in these minutes? Every head is bad and every eye is closed. Let me ask you a couple of questions. First of all, you come this morning and you're not saved. You're not born again. You don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. But God's put his finger on you. And, you know, the Spirit of God speaks to us and we know. And when God puts his finger on us, we know. God has put his finger on you saying, listen, this is you. You need to be saved. You may not understand everything. Well, if somebody take the Bible and explain it to you. But you would say, Pastor, pray for me. God has put his hand upon me. I'm not saved and I need to be saved. Would you just lift your hand? Anybody here this morning at all? Just lift your hand. You can put it down again. We'll not embarrass you at all. Anybody here? God has put his hand on me. I know I need to be saved. Anybody at all? Right, then you're a child of God and you're here this morning and you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. Let me <clears throat> ask you a question. Are you seeking him? Or are you seeking other things? And again, the Spirit of God is able to speak to his child. And he says, you're seeking other things. You're seeking to satisfy yourself in other things. They may be good things, they may be bad things. That's not the issue. The issue is you're seeking to satisfy yourself in other things. And God says... I want you to satisfy yourself with me. I want you to look to me. And you would say this morning, Pastor, pray for me. I want to seek him. I want to make him the center of my heart, my focus, and my goal. I'm not able. I'll need him. But Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to seek him this morning. Would you lift your hands so I can pray for you? Amen. Amen. See those hands. Amen. Amen. Amen we're going to have a word of prayer and then I'm going to invite you to come and do business with God as the Lord has laid uh, on your heart it might be that you just kneel uh, or that you come forward but listen, do business with God seal it with God in these moments Father would you bless now Lord this is a sacred time, this is a moment when you in mercy have come and worked in our hearts and in our lives now blessed Spirit of the living God would you have your way in each heart Lord for each one that raised a hand Lord May this be a turning moment. May it be a changing moment. And Lord, for those that need to be saved here this morning, oh, blessed spirit, would you continue to draw them to yourself? Or don't let them away. Draw them to yourself until they come fully to rest in you.